So welcome to the third in our Startup Diaries podcast. Uh, I'm Jeff Skinner, Director of the School's Institute of Innovation and Entrepreneurship. And as part of my role here, I talk to dozens of students with incredible ideas and aspirations to run businesses of their own uh, and stories to tell about their experiences. Um, and the purpose of this podcast series is to share their experiences and insights with, with everyone else. So today I'm happy to have Ali Flieder and Eliska Malikova, uh, both second year MBA students here um, who are at the foothills of their new venture, Sherpa. Welcome to the Thank both you. of you. Thank you. So why don't you start off by telling us about Sherpa, this thing? You know, what problem does it solve and for who and, and, and how does it solve it? Sure. Sherpa is an on-demand luggage delivery service that transports your bag between your home or hotel or Airbnb, the airport or the train station. The idea came about because we ourselves had been traveling a lot. We were staying in Airbnbs around Europe, and our flight, we always had the same problem. Our checkout time was at 11 a.m. Our flight wasn't until the evening, and so we wound up lugging our bag around a city over cobblestones into tiny little cafes and museums throughout the day. So being lazy, we thought, you know, is there a way around this? Is there some kind of Uber for your luggage? Uh, and we couldn't find anything, so we decided to start it ourselves. And to rewind a bit, I mean, did the two of you know each other before you before you came here? Kind of, I would say. So we, we met because of LBS. So we met just before starting LBS about half a year during a welcome weekend. Uh-huh. Well, we became friends then, but we never actually worked on anything together until starting I mean, what were the you, MBA. What, what were the two of you before you came here, before you landed? So I'm originally from Slovakia, but I lived in London for the last few years before the MBA, working in finance here in London. And didn't even consider entrepreneurship as an exit for me when I was coming into the MBA. I kind of thought London Business School is a great place to explore, look at careers, maybe transitioning into something like tech. I ended up interning at Amazon, never really aspired to sort of start a business right out of the MBA. I thought that would be something later down the line. And Alec? And I was working at a think tank. I actually started my career as a speechwriter um, and wound up becoming the chief of staff uh, to the president of the organization. And so I spent a lot of my time uh, working with and advising entrepreneurs on scaling up their businesses. Uh, okay. Okay. So neither of you in, in entrepreneurial roles before. Definitely not. So wh- <laughs> where did it. all this come from then? I mean, you had the idea, but lots of people see ideas and problems all, all the time. But that's a big leap from there to actually saying, the hell with it, let's actually yeah. go with it. Well, the idea started as part of the new venture development elective at LBS. But even before having done that, there's so many, whether it's classes or the Entrepreneurship Club or the Entrepreneurship Institute, where you can get yourself immersed in entrepreneurship. You see it on campus a lot. You see different startups posting on the campus community. So you already have that feeling where all my classmates are kind of dipping their toes here and there, working at startups over the summer, things like that. So I felt like it was already surrounding us, but we didn't actually take the leap until we had this incubated environment to do it in. And the incubated environment, what means, you know, just the community saying you're a hero if you start a new <laughs> a new business as opposed to go into one of the more traditional sort of gravy trains for MBA students. Has it actually been a conscious decision to do this or has it kind of just grown on you? I would say actually it's kind of grown. We had the idea and then we brought it to the London Business School Hackathon in 2018 and we won and we were like, wow, we really, you know, we actually have some traction around this now. We have a little bit of prize money to try to get this off the ground. So we had tested it, the idea in our class. We had surveyed um, almost 300 people. We'd done focus groups. So we believed that there was a really strong need and a pain point out there. But once we kind of had that validation, then we decided, oh, actually, maybe we'll take this forward. So we, we took the end of the year, we took December in 2018 
18 to really think it over. Was this the kind of insane career path that we wanted to go down? Yeah. And literally everyone told us it was insane and we shouldn't do it. Oh, it's really? A crazy idea. So having, given, having told you that you, you've won yeah, the hackathon yeah. and tell you what a great idea and got all that social proof, you actually announced you were going to do it and they all told you you were bonkers. Yeah, because, I mean people are kind of thinking, okay, what's your stable job after the MBA? And we kind of say, no, it's it's Sherpa. We're going to figure it out. And people kind of give us this crazy look where, oh, I just thought it was a project you were working on during the MBA. You mean you're actually going to yeah, do it? Yeah, you're actually going to be an entrepreneur or whatever that means. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, you are clearly hugely passionate and, and motivated by the idea. But at the same time, we've spoken and it, it's a bit of a long shot as well. And, and you must still... I mean, less perhaps be thinking now it's such a long shot because you've done so much work on it. But it is. I mean, are you the sort of throw caution to the wind, let's just go for it? I mean, what, what sort of research have you done to, to try to validate the idea and, and, to, and to test some of your assumptions about whether anybody wants this thing? Mm -hmm. So I think, well, New Venture Development as part of class gave us that time to do all the research. We tested the market. As Ali said, we've spoken to almost 300 people, both with surveys and going to actual train stations and interviewing people. So I feel like we've done a lot of that validation. But once we launched the business and came live and had paying customers, we kind of just thought, well, we need to keep going with it. And it's certainly my attitude, and I think I discussed this with Ali, going into the MBA, we've been super cautious. I mean, doing the MBA is partly cautious as well, taking a career break, having some institution behind you, coming from finance. We kind of just thought, well, now is probably the time to just go for it. And having done enough research, we don't want to overdo it at this point. I think we, as long as we keep growing our paying customers, I think that's hopefully enough proof to keep going. Yeah. I mean, what have been the, the, the major unknowns for you? I mean, one of my favourite images of you at 7 o'clock on St Pancras Station, we'll come to that yeah. in a little while, but what were you actually trying to achieve when you went out and, you know, started accosting people? Yeah. <laughs> I think we just wanted to be able to talk to our customers. You know, we, we knew that this was a major pain point for ourselves as travellers. Uh, we knew that it was a pain point in the London Business School community because of the surveys that we did, but we really wanted to get out there and understand from people who were actually in the middle of that pain point, having gone through London with their bags to get into King's Cross St Pancras. We wanted to hear from them if this was actually something that they would use. Right, but there's something that they can use, but there's something different you know, that they might be willing to pay for. That they're willing yeah. to pay for. So, uh, you know, this, this is, you know, we've spoken about the, you know, the thing that worries me most about this business is the margin and how much they are. So what, what sort of feedback have you got from that? Yeah, we actually, over three quarters of people that we've spoken to on that day said that they were definitely willing to pay for a service. The only concern was potentially security that keeps coming up. We've tackled that with having secured luggage straps with codes, things like that. Like we've really invested our time into security on this business to alleviate those sort of concerns. But people sort of said anywhere between 10 to 20, 25 pounds, they were willing to pay wow. for it per bag. So essentially our pricing is 20 pounds for the first bag and five pounds for every additional bag without making it too complicated at the moment regardless of the distance, whether it's the airport or train station. And it might get a bit more complex over time, but we basically wanted to make sure that people were paying for the service. We actually got asked the other day when we were asked, oh, you know, do you have customers? Are they all paying customers? We said, of course, no one has gotten this service for free yet. We've served everyone um, and collected money for all of it. So there's definitely an appetite. It depends which segment, whether it's corporate travelers or tourists, but we're trying to target that through partnerships at the moment. And that, that's where the MBA kicks back in. You yes. take this information and then you figure out whether 
you know, 10, 20 pounds is, is enough for you to, to be viable. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And we and it has been so far. Um, we've had great customer traction. But with regards to the unit economics, like we know that it'll never be profitable, of course, to take one bag from central London to Gatwick Airport. So we know that this business relies on scale. So as Alishka is saying for us, partnerships to get that volume is the key. Lovely. So we'll come on to the partnerships because it's, you know, lots of people start off thinking that it's B to C and then they find out it's B to B to C and maybe a B behind you as well as well as in front of you. But you know, let's go to the fun bit, which is your micro level market research, as we call it. I mean, you headed out seven o'clock in the morning to St Pancras, but, but loads of other places as well. I yeah. mean, I have this image of you sort of on the St Pancras concourse until you get chucked out and then you have to go over <laughs> to King's Cross. I mean, how, how's that all gone? What did you learn? How was it? I mean, this is hustle. Yeah, well, the idea behind it was guerrilla marketing, which kind of both was marketing and market research. So we tried to kill two birds with one stone and make sure we collected people's responses. Um, we definitely got candy so that we would entice people to speak to us. So that was a big part of it. We had our bag branded t-shirts that didn't turn out well trying to take <laughs> pictures with people but I think it was generally positive I think and something that Ali does really well which comes down to this hustle part is she is not that scared of talking to people I think in the beginning it took a while to warm up and start speaking to complete strangers and put yourself out there and not really get much response so that was probably the biggest not necessarily learning but sort of um kind of take away from the day that we really just need to not be ashamed of going up to people and that comes down to the whole business itself as well. Just trying to advertise market everywhere, bother everyone. And that's kind of eventually, hopefully it'll it'll stick. That's not to say that, as we told you, Jeff, that we didn't have people literally cursing us with expletives in the middle of St. Pancras. But we also had a great response from the majority of people that we talked to. Well, not everybody has to love you, do they? Exactly. I mean, just, just enough people just, have to love you. Just the majority. That's just the majority. And so, I mean, you've spoken about security mm-hmm. issues. I mean, in what other ways have, has this talking to customers was talking to humans, has that changed the business? I mean, do you look back at your earlier self, you know, a year ago, whenever it was, you had the idea and think, oh, my goodness, that was a naive, you know, how could we ever have thought that? But but actually, you moved on to something that isn't quite as naive. I would say that definitely there's, I mean, you realize how human this is. It's a service business. So like, for example, like I think the second order that we had was um, a friend of ours from the MBA program. We hadn't done any marketing at that point. And so I was the Sherpa on the delivery. You know, we were just trying to prove the concept. So I got to his house. He had two huge bags and was like, Ali, I don't trust you with these bags. <laughs> Look at, you know, do you, you, ha- do you have any anyway. help with you? I was like, oh, no, I'm totally fine. I'm totally fine. He closed the door and I was like, how am I possibly going to get these bags to the airport? They are way too heavy heavy for me to roll you know I don't have any kind of transport it's just me trying to get them onto the Heathrow Express so I think you know there were some definitely initial things that we had to get over at the beginning and and part of that was you know just this is a human interaction so the person that's handing us their bags has to feel like they can trust us so you know like we need someone who's bigger or at least who you know projects some kind of authority has some sort of trolley to take the bags Um, so anything that we can do at this point to uh, reassure the customer and it's so human so at this point we're about to move to actual bag tracking where you be able to see where your bag is throughout the day. But in the meantime, your Sherpa courier is in touch with you throughout your order. And that alone has proven to be really helpful in terms of giving people some kind of, you know, making people feel better about the fact, you know, exactly where their bags are at each step of the journey. And then part of this is, you know, you're, you're faced with two bags that you can't lift. Therefore, I need a trolley. I mean, that, that's fairly sort of yeah, seems so basic, so but basic. yes. Yeah. But, but, it, but in other ways, there are problems that require more creativity. I mean, do you feel that you're being more technical in, in solving problems? Where does creativity come in? 
I think with, well, I would add luggage straps as well to one of the things. And it's amazing the more orders we fulfill, the less people ask us this security question. So we have officially approved TSA luggage straps with a code, which you get an email. So it's also the language that comes to the customer, the email that you get with your customized code. You put it on yourself. So you essentially have that feeling already that, okay, no one's going to access this suitcase because I'm the one with the code. And then basically just tracking it, sending you a photo of the suitcase. We kind of got creative here as well where, okay, we don't have a tracking device yet, but we need to make sure that we're texting you, keeping you updated. This is what where your bags are. This is what they look like. So I think over time, people have actually stopped us asking as much about the security question, which um, hopefully we, we're doing enough to sort of alleviate the stress. I think reviews, social validation, all of those things also contribute towards it as well. And, and the partnerships. I mean, this presumably is entirely new for you, striking business to business B2B partnerships. So that, that must have been fun. I mean, this is this is, is this is all the <laughs> this is all the contractual stuff, isn't it? Yeah. And actually it's also another thing that what Ali just said about it being really human, where we sort of drafted a contract, came to these meetings thinking, okay, we'll we'll just hand you the terms and we'll discuss it. More than anything, it's just been sort of interactions meeting people and discussing with them how this could serve them as opposed to any sort of signing contracts or anything like that. It's basically been kind of word of mouth, relationship building, things like that. Yeah, I think we went in thinking like, here are our partnership terms and here's how we pitch you. And then we realized, no, we actually need to understand exactly what your needs are before we see where Sherpa fits in. Mm. And has the overall score, I mean, you've spoken about, you know, the venture development classes mm-hmm. being quite good. You've, you've spoken about the hackathon being a stimulus and, and it being great for providing social proof. But at the same time, there's a tide through the school that says, you know, find a proper job. And you've alluded to that as well. I mean, how odd do you think you are? Now, there's a strange question. So I didn't mean mean odd as an individual, but odd as in choices. How insane are we? I mean, I would love to get the statistics on the number of people that go into their own venture right after the MBA. I would assume it's quite low because there's a lot of amazing classmates that are working on their idea that they started a new venture development. I'm not sure how many of them are actually going to continue with it um, long term, but I think it is quite odd. But I think, like we mentioned earlier, we have been so structured and rigid in our career paths up until the MBA. This is now the time to do it because, you know, if we didn't have a great idea, if we didn't have a great team, and I think it's that's the biggest part, which we actually didn't mention, it's just the fact that the two of us are working on this idea, regardless of the idea, maybe we wouldn't have done it. But if we don't do it now, leaving your cushy job a few years down the line might be even harder than it is right now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sure. I would say my fiance recently said, she was like, you know, I moved over <laughs> to London with you thinking we were going to have some big private equity jobs after the <laughs> MBA. Now you're starting a luggage delivery company. <laughs> So I think, you know, like there's some of that, too. I'd say like my family is kind of in the same boat, too, pushing me towards that traditional career path. But as I've told them all and they're and they are now supportive, I just can't imagine doing anything else at this point. You know, we feel Alishka and I just feel so passionate about it. We really love working together. And it, it feels like our baby or our little plant or something you know, that we're <laughs> plant. <laughs> More than a plant. More a, a plant baby or a baby. That's right. <laughs> Back to the child, back to the child. And every, you know, every move that we make could either drop the baby down the stairs or put it on the path to becoming a doctor. You know, it's like everything that we do can either help or hurt this business. And that's so exciting. So I don't know if it's something about the autonomy of working on our own thing, coupled with this ability to be creative um, and have to think out of the box and and literally watch an idea that we had in the womb, you know, becoming something bigger. I don't know why I'm on this child metaphor. (laughs) But, um, (laughs) but, you know, but that 
that that is just so exciting. And it, I, I understand why people call it addictive. I cannot imagine being on a different career path at this point. Yeah. The baby metaphor is often used. It, it, it falls down when you have to kill the idea, but <laughs> until then, it's just perfect. I think we're also staying slightly naive in terms of, you know, worst case, if it doesn't completely go to plan, it's still amazing experience that you couldn't get anywhere else. I mean, what, do, what, do, you th- what do you think it has actually taught you? I mean, because we, we have this history of, of people who, you know, many go on, the ventures are fine, but, but some of them, they stop. But, but in my experience, those people actually go off to get actually rather good jobs yeah. with companies that value all they've learnt about trying yeah. to make a business succeed. I mean, what, what is it that you've, that you've taken out of this? One of the biggest things, which also is kind of what you need to keep a business going, is the team and having a great team of interns that we've recruited over time working with us. At this point, we have five people working with us on the idea without pay, which is actually amazing if you think about it. Um, so I think it, it was it's just learning about ourselves, about rallying people together. And everyone talks about delegation, things like that. But it is literally sitting down with Ali thinking, oh, my God, OK, what do we need to do? What do we give someone? What do we delegate? I've never really run a big team. You know, I've had an intern or someone here and there in finance, but actually genuinely having an idea where you have people optioning in to work on it with you has probably been the most incredible part of it and and a learning as well, because hopefully we go on to build an even larger team. Mm. I would say for me, it's been the hustle needed to, you know, keep a million different balls in the air at the same time. I was a chief of staff, so I had done some general management stuff, but still I didn't touch everything about the, you know, about the organization that I was in. And there, you know, at the end of the day, I wasn't responsible, the CEO was. But feeling that feeling like it's all on our shoulders, everything from, you know, like working on the deck and getting the pitch right, everything outward facing to like the little internal stuff, you know, updating our TripAdvisor page because the the photo is off or, you know, the little thing on our website that needs to be tweaked. You know, we have so many different balls in the air right now. It's just a constant hustle. So, I mean, having done this now, I really feel like any team that I'm on in the future, I would love to be hiring former founders, you know, failed or successful. That's lovely. And do you, the two of you, think it's kind of destiny? I mean, there's always this question around entrepreneurs born or made. And you didn't come in thinking this. You've kind of grown. I mean, I get the sense that you've grown into this and realised that it might be what you were born for. Or do you think actually you're, you know, as Abraham Lincoln said, most people are as cheerful as they make up their mind they're going to be. and, And you would have been happy with so many different careers. It's just this was the one that got you first. I think it's really lucky that both of us are kind of not just in the same place at the same time, having been in the class, but also have the same exact attitude because it's very hard to meet someone in the MBA who's not going to end up going into a nice consulting corporate, any type of job. So the fact that not only do we enjoy working together, we also have the exact same attitude of liking this idea and willing to go forward at least for the next few years with it. I think that's that maybe comes down to destiny. I don't know. What do you think? I feel like it was destiny. I mean, I, I came in thinking that I, after working this think tank, thinking that I would work in big tech. And so, I, yeah, I didn't really think anything entrepreneurial was on the horizon. Although, actually, my mom was recently reminding me that I, in my old organization, I started a little a network within the organization. So I had my own kind of entrepreneurial project. And my mom also reminded me that as a child, I was always swindling the neighbors and the neighborhood children out of their money. I had the little <laughs> conglomerate of businesses that I ran in my neighborhood. Yeah, I used to sell flowers, <laughs> dried flowers. Um, when I was like eight but I don't think that ever counted I kind of thought you know maybe later down the line in 10 years I would start a business but it is and everyone keeps saying this and I never really understood it about the co-founder being the right person but it is literally just that 
So you are going to do this thing. I mean, all your friends oh, are no, off we didn't getting their wonderful... <laughs> you haven't spoken... <laughs> you <laughs> haven't talked just about as good as it gets. You haven't spoken yourself out of it yet. I mean, but all your, all your classmates, they're all off, you know, doing... You know, what's the attitude amongst the rest of them? Do they still regard you as bonkers? Or actually, are they slightly envious of you now? I think it's a mix of both. They're also definitely customers. Um, oh, they're customers, they're, okay. Just, once they're in their cushy jobs, they're definitely customers, um, potentially investors down the line. But, yeah, I think... Slowly, people are warming up to it because of the traction we're getting. Things like we were just accepted the Huckle Tree Accelerator, and that sort of provides a bit of validation, just like the hackathon did. So that's quite helpful to sort of keep the momentum going. So I think the longer we're doing it, the more they've sort of given up on telling us that we're crazy. Yeah. Oh, well, I mean, it turns into a grudging a- a- admiration. <laughs> but you just tell them that being an entrepreneur is the only way ultimately to be paid what you're worth. And, exactly. Uh, you, you, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so how do people find you? I mean, there's going to be loads of people listening to this thing. And um, if you're a good entrepreneur, you're you're into the ask as well at, at, at any opportunity. So, I mean, what, what are you, Sherpa.com or something? GetYourSherpa.com. GetYourSherpa.com. Yeah, that's, right. that's fine. And, and where are you? I mean, you're presumably you're not in Timbuktu yet. So, I mean, you are you in Rome? Are you in... We're serving London at the moment. And we think the market is actually pretty big to spend a while on, on London in terms of the different partners, whether we're serving corporate customers or travelers. So focusing here, but expanding to Europe um, as according to our deck in 2020 um, and the rest of the world in the next few years. Yeah. And to what extent are you still the ones sort of getting up at four o'clock in the morning and going collecting bags. I mean, have you have you got a team of, well, Sherpas now who yeah. are doing this for you? Yeah, actually, we have a great team who's doing most of the driving for us at this point. We'll still have to fill in if there, you know, if there's an emergency order so, or a driver has to kick out last minute. But but yeah, it's been our team. My favorite okay. was my 6 a.m. on Easter Saturday at Heathrow. So we know the airport very well at this point. But yeah, we, we have a team. As we get more demand um, over the next few weeks, we're kind of growing it as well. Yeah. And have you got any money for this thing? I mean, I remember writing you the check for the hackathon. That was I'm glad it was gratefully received um, and spent in the right way. But I mean, have you have you got any money? Uh, Right now, we're completely privately funded, but we'll be looking. We're actually just now starting our fundraising. Wow. And you're looking for how much? 150. 150. 150, Um, Part of the SCA. Yeah, we just got SCIS approved which is a tax-friendly way for angels to invest in startups. As of today. Yeah. As of today. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah, which is great. Okay, well, look, we as a, well, me individually and, and us as a school will be following you, uh, see where you go and where this this all happens. And, and I think on behalf of us all and, and anybody who's who ultimately listens to this, uh, we wish you the, the very best of luck. And, and what I have to say is throughout the whole of this thing, it's been a complete hoot. So you're obviously having the times of your lives. Yeah, we, we really, really are. Like it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we really are. I have to say there was a point where we, um, maybe a couple, about a month ago, where we stepped back and we, and we felt like we had been just running in place for a while because we had so many things on. We were like, what are we really getting done? And Alishka, she was like, Ali, we need to pause for a minute. We have gotten so much done since we you know, really launched in earnest in January. And so we've now made it a point for ourselves to keep stepping back and you know, celebrating every success and every win. You know, everything becomes a milestone, including our recent SEIS approval or even you know, getting an email response from someone that we cold called. So we're really good at celebrating and high-fiving each other along yeah. the way. Okay, well, thanks to both of you. Thank you. 
So thanks for listening. Uh, to find out more about entrepreneurship activities such as hackathons and, and our launchpad, go to london.edu forward slash innovation or follow us on Twitter at uh, LBS Entrepreneur. Bye-bye. Thank you.